What's going on, Law Nation? Welcome to the Passive Income Attorney Podcast, the best place for learning about the world of alternative passive investing so that you can have more freedom, flexibility, and fun. Now, if you're ready to practice when you want to and not because you have to, start by going to attorneybydesign.com to download the Freedom Blueprint. This will also get you access to opportunities to partner with us on one of our next passive real estate investments. We'd love to get you on board and help you on your way to financial freedom. All right, let's talk about the power of networking. And no, I'm not talking about the forced, awkward networking we have to do for work. I'm talking about surrounding yourself with like-minded individuals. When I say like-minded individuals, I mean people that think like you do. People that aren't brainwashed by the big Wall Street lies. People who are investing like pros, buying real estate, starting businesses, sharing powerful ideas to create and preserve wealth. You've heard it before that your network is your net worth, but it's so true. To break out of the Wall Street shackles, you have to be a rebel. You have to rebel against the norm, the standard way of thinking, and think for yourself to take control of your financial destiny. That all starts with one, financial education, and two, networking. Now, I've had the pleasure to network with the co-founders of Wealth Without Wall Street, an organization and really a movement very similar to ours, building passive income streams, rebelling against Wall Street, creating your own economy, self-sufficiency, accountability, all those things. Through networking, I was also recently invited as a featured speaker at the Wealth Without Wall Street Passive Income Retreat in Austin, which was a great honor. Now, you'll get a chance to meet Russ and Joey here in this episode as we dive in with these co-founders to discover the mindset and strategies you'll need to achieve true financial independence. All right, without further ado, let's roll. This is the Passive Income Attorney Podcast, where you'll discover the secrets and strategies of the ultra-wealthy on how they build streams of passive income to give them the freedom we all want. Attorney Seth Bradley will help you end the cycle of trading your time for money so you can make money while you sleep. Start living the good life on your own terms. Now, here's your host, Seth Bradley. Russ and Joey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to the show. Oh, man, thanks for having us. It's our pleasure. Hey, Seth, man. Glad to be here catching up again. Yeah, super excited to have you guys on today. I know we have a lot of synergies between, you know, the, the message that we put out there. So I'm really excited to have you on today. So let's, let's just jump right in. Whoever wants to start, you know, what's your story and, and maybe your two stories can, can come together and how you guys formed Wealth Without Wall Street. Well, I, I always lead off with this question, Seth, because ultimately uh, I was I was stuck in a corporate world. I was uh, working in the, the mortgage industry for 11 years and I was working my tail off, uh, making great money. I was making over $300,000 a year in my 20s. And I thought, man, this must be what financial success is, is a higher income. And what I found was was quite the opposite is that the really, I had been taught to kind of send money away out of my control into things like 401ks and IRAs and things like that. 
And my time was the thing that was just constantly flowing away from me. I was trading more and more of my time, 40 to 60 to 70 hours a week in order to maintain that high income. And so I wasn't, you know, my family was the one that was suffering. I remember being that guy at vacation with the people I love and saying, hey, by the way, babe, you go ahead and take the girls down to the beach. I'll be right behind you, you know, and then whatever happens, you know, we all know. I show up and they're ready to come in because I've been on the phone for 45 minutes to an hour and they're, they're done. And, you know, I had a wake up call when the guy that was two rungs above me at Wells Fargo, that's who I was working for at the time. He was, he was like just turned 50 and he died on a, on a treadmill at one of the Wells Fargo events. And I thought, this is not financial success. <laughs> like if that's what this looks like, something's got to change. And, and that's when Russ actually, and I had been friends uh, for a couple of years, he finally came around. He said, man, I want you to start working with some of my clients. And, but in order to do that, you got to read this book. Once you read this book, I'll start sending you referrals. So of course, like any mortgage guy, I'm like, okay, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm all in. He's like, by the way, it's $20. And I'm like, dude, you must be struggling. Like, I mean, you, Man, you, come you, on. He always busts me up like that. For a book? Like, come on. <laughs> this joker is, I mean, he is so tight with a dollar. If he would have, I knew if he gave me money, he would read it. And that was what's, what was on my mind is I need him to read this book. <laughs> well, it worked. Whatever, you know, however cheap you are, it worked. And um, man, totally shifted. I, I finally became clear on what financial freedom really looks like. And that is passive income greater than monthly expenses. And so I started on this path of implementing all the things from that book that Russ and I worked together on. And four years later, I was like, had this kind of epiphany, like, man, why don't more people know about this? And I was sitting at a conference with Russ and I was like, because there's just not enough people that know how to do this, that are teaching it. Why don't I do it? Why don't I come and join Russ? And, uh, and he was like, really? Like, you want to give up what you've built over here to, to cha change over and work with me? And I was like, I just feel like God's given me this gift. I need to give it to other people. And so uh, 2014 shifted over. And that, then shortly thereafter, Russ and I formed Wealth Without Wall Street. And uh, we've been kind of on this path of growing our own personal passive income and then subsequently sharing those stories that have inspired hundreds and thousands of people on the same path. I love that, man. I mean, I, I had a similar revelation when I was working at big law firms. No one died, luckily, but <laughs> I saw these older attorneys that were still working there in their 60s or 70s, and they're still just slaving away. I mean, they're probably you know, making a million dollars plus a year at that point. But at, at what point is it enough? At what point do you stop and you just enjoy what you've done and what you've accomplished? Um, and I think that, you know, when you get bogged down in your career after that long and you get really good at it and that's all, you know, you just kind of get stuck there and, and you don't really truly enjoy life and you don't really see what's, what, what passive income and what kind of stepping away from the office can look like for you. Well, and, and to that point, Seth, I think that was my, aha moment, if you will, is Joey and I probably three to four years ago hired a consultant to come in, take a really good look at our business. 
and help us think through what ways could we improve it operationally, but more importantly, what ways could we improve it to where we got more out of life instead of the business dragging it. And I just remember him asking us the question is how much money do you need to do all the things that you want to do? I mean, again, it's not like the most extravagant things, right? But the things that you enjoy doing in life, how much money do you need? And, and I gave him a number. And he said, that's awesome. How much money did you make last, last year? And I told him it was X plus one. <laughs> you know, if that was X, I, I, I was over that. And he was like, okay, so the problem is you. <laughs> like, like, why are you continuing to push past that? Like, what is motivating? And then we as entrepreneurs, that's, that's who we are. We're built that way. But from that point forward, it was, okay, how am I going to focus on creating streams of income? Because I know for me, what was really pushing me is that I've lived through that point in time where there was, there was little, you know, I'm living in a world of plenty, but there was time when there was little and it's hard to get that out of your mind. It's like, you know, our grandparents who, who were born in that generation of the great depression, right? That they just lived in an age where there was real little, there was, there was scarcity. And I feel like I see, I've seen that. And so that's, I think what pushes me and that was really the driving factor for since that point, probably over the last four years, Joey and I have been just focused 100% of how do we build outside streams of income outside of our business to be able to support anything that we would want, but also to give us then freedom to live in our, in our business the way we want to, whether that is still engaging 150% like I tend to do still. Um, or is it more like Joey where he shows up every once in a while and I, I'm like, hey, it's good to see you again. Um, my name's Russ, you know? Yeah, I think that's a great question to ask. I mean, when you're starting out, when you when you want to jump into a new venture, whether that's real estate or you know, step away from your practice and doing a, doing a side hustle, whatever it might be, you really need to think about what the goal is. I mean, what what's the end game? Like, why are you doing it? Um, because if you just put your head down and just put more and more hours into something else, you know, you've just created another job for yourself. So you really need to figure out why you're doing it and, and you know, what, how much do you need? I mean, how much do you really need to be happy and, and to do the things that you want to do? It's a really important question to ask. Well, we, we even talk about Seth, like it, we, if you really step back and realize that you are constantly trading time for money at what point is it enough? Like at what point is the time that you're, you're trading for those dollars worth more with your four-year-old, your six-year-old, your however old your children are at this point, you never will be able to buy that time back. And, and I'll, I'll tell you this one kind of anchor story for me was um, a number of years back, my daughter was like three or four years old and I was on a rare occasion taking her to her preschool. And, you know, she's sitting in the back all in her little five-point harness in her car seat. She's got her, her little backpack next to her. And we're just buzzing down the road and she just starts talking. I mean, I don't know about you, but at that time, like your kids have so many words. I tell my wife all the time, like they have too many words right now. I, I got to move out of the, I got to leave the room. But I'm just sitting there driving and she says, dad you going to pick me up from school today? And I was like, no, baby, um, your mom's going to pick you up. And, and she said, why are you not going to pick me up? And I was like, well, cause I have to go to work. I got to go, you know, I got to uh, pay the bill. She said, why do you have to go to work? 
well, I got to, I got to pay for this car. I got to pay for our house, you know, the food that you eat, so on and so forth. She said, we already have a car. We already have a house. It's like, she's like trying to logically make sense of the fact, why would you have to spend time somewhere else than with me? And when we already have all these things, and of course, it's a simple thing. But for me, the anchor that I hold on to that really drove Russ and I um, to passive income was I have to go to work. That was just when I had to say that to my three-year-old, it just, it was one of those things that said, I never want to have to say that again. And the only way to do that is for my passive income to buy that time back. And so anyways, that's why I'm grateful that we're able to be on the show because we're speaking the same language and we're saying, man, got to quit trading our time for money. Yeah. She's smarter than you, Joey. Always. Figured out. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Yeah. I think in that, that verbiage is perfect. You you have to go to work, right? Um, I've spoken to a lot of attorneys that I've had conversations with and it's just once they've been able to generate some passive income, buy a few properties, whatever it might be, and they don't have to go to work, they still do. And they still, and, and the more that they don't have to go to work, the more that they actually enjoy their practice a little bit more. 100%. It, it, as soon as you take that have to out of it, the work doesn't become as, as bad as it once was. True. So I, I got to rewind back to the story when you guys met and, and you had mentioned uh, this book, what, what was this book? Because you left a big question mark there on the table. <laughs> oh, my, my bad. Um, uh, we talked about it so much. Um, so Nelson Nash wrote a book, becoming your own banker. And for me, that was, it's, it's, he was a 80 year old economist who, uh, was sharing just really kind of funny stories. Like it was kind of one of those books that as you read it the first time, you kind of shake your head, like, this is brilliant and this is ridiculous at the same time. Like, I don't even understand part of reason why he puts certain things in there. But just like when I read the Bible, like years go past and I read the same thing twice and I'm like, I get something new or it kind of clicks with me like, oh, that's what he meant when he said this or why he put this story in there. Uh, but it's all about taking control. It's all about waking up to the fact of where money is flowing in your life and how to be the one that's kind of directing traffic, not the one who is basically just on for a ride and hoping for the best. And I think that's, it was like, wow, there's so much more to, to managing my financial picture than just what I've, what I've always accepted. Did, did that book change your life more than uh, the Purple Bible? The, the what now? The Purple Bible, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I think those two are peanut butter and jelly for sure. Like you get you get uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad and you get Nelson Nash's book and you're like, bang, this is synergy. This is like this is taking it to a whole new level. Yeah. Now, Nelson Nash. Now, he's kind of the the godfather of infinite banking. Is, is that right? <laughs> Would that be a good way to term it? Yeah. Yes. I- I would totally say so. Like, I just give you some context where that came from. So I, I had a background as a financial um, investment guy. I was a, actually a certified financial planner at one point. And I went through, you know, all the bumps and bruises of 2007 through 2009, 
realized that I didn't uh, know as much as I thought I knew, right? And my and my mentors at the time that were all in the investment world, uh, they were not as smart as I thought that they were because they didn't uh, they didn't have any better answers for me when everything was crashing. And I went to this conference down in Orlando, and Nelson Nash at the time he's probably in his late seventies. He gets up on the stage and he was full of all these different youthisms and just just funny stories, like Joey said. And he he got up and he just was talking about this concept of how you how you could take control of your money and you could use this this tool, this whole life insurance policy. And, you know, the, the whole room of financial advisors and uh, CPAs are all just shaking their heads like life insurance. You're you know, like, what are you talking about? And I was at the point where I was like, I, I don't know anything. I'm, I'm going to take all the, the thought of knowing um, information as it relates to the financial world and put it at zero. And there was like a breakout session just following that. And I was like, I'm going to that one. That's the one I want to go here. And I sat in there and I listened to this guy talk about how you could buy all the cars. It's just something so simple that we all use as cars, right? And just how you could do it over a period of 50, 60 years. Uh, as compared to paying cash or financing and just the wealth creation. I mean, you can't really build wealth in essence by buying, you know, liabilities, but just to talking about the difference of where money is. And he was using simple terms that I did understand like compounding interest and borrowing against cash and always keeping money at work. And I thought this just makes way too much sense. Why have I not really dove into this? And, and so I, I, I buy his book and I'm reading it on the flight home. Well, Joey and I live in Birmingham and I, I remember landing because it wasn't that long of a flight from Orlando. And I, I finished the book and I turned it over and on the back cover, it, he actually gave his address and his phone number. I mean, this is the kind of guy he was. And on his address is, you know, I don't remember the exact 1212 Rocky Ridge Road, Birmingham, Alabama. And I thought, no way. Like <laughs> this guy lives in my hometown. And, and from that point forward, I, I mean, I soaked up everything. I called him up. He would, he would have coffee with me. Um, pretty soon I invited him to come speak to a group of the clients I had and basically had to say, Hey, um, excuse me for all the bad things I've told you over the years, <laughs> um, because what you're about to hear today is going to completely shock you as to how bad of information I was giving you. And, and one of those people I ultimately introduced him to was Joey and and we, the three of us just built a great friendship. He, he passed away a couple of years ago, but Joey and I would have lunch with him. He would stop by our office or we'd go meet at a local hamburger restaurant and, and talk. And he's just, again, so much wisdom and his years. I mean, he did grow up in the Great Depression. Like he was born uh, on a, as a share, on a sharecropping farm. And like he, he's experienced so much over his life and he would share all these things and say, you know, you guys got to have access to your money. And, and the wisdom of controlling your money as compared to giving it away. And, and it, I mean, he was one of those that was foreshadowing all of these things that are really starting to happen today. And Joey and I, yeah, we looked at him definitely as the quote unquote godfather to it. And there's a conference once a year, even still, even though he's no longer um, with us, where people from all over uh, U.S. and Canada come together. And it's 150 to 200 people. It's not a big group. And that's what led Joey to, to wanting to leave because he noticed it wasn't a big enough group. What enough people out there that were willing to say, hey, there's a better strategy to becoming financially free. And it's by taking control of the simple function, which is our cash. Yeah, that's that's incredible. You guys got to share that relationship with, with Nelson Nash. I mean, he's 
I think even he's becoming even more famous now after his passing more and more people you hear that name just coming up over and over and over again and, yeah, and for a super our, special guy yeah and for our listeners that don't know what you know what infinite banking is i don't want to go too deep into it but you know what what is infinite banking and you know what does it mean to be your own banker and to, to create your own economy that, that nelson was talking about in his book Russ has a, has a great story about this. <laughs> well, I, I'll, I'll give a practical way to think about it. And, and so my wife actually is a dentist by trade. And um, in the 2008, Seth, she was building her dental practice out. Beautiful time to start a business, right? I mean, in the midst of the, the depths of the financial depression of our age, right? And everything's going downhill and uh, but we had started the process back in the, the summer, right before really everybody had the news of what was really going down. So we were too far down the road on this thing. And so she actually opened her practice uh, December 28, 2008. And we took out a loan from Bank of America for, I don't know, let's just call it 750,000 ballpark. And up to that point, I had been investment, uh, an investment advisor, and her dad was one of my clients. And, you know, a couple of years prior, He'd inherited a fairly large seven-figure number um, and a couple of different stocks. One of the stocks was Bank of America because that was what his dad owned, a, uh, was the president of a bank that got bought by Bank of America. And when he passed, he gave that stock to him. And, you know, being a smart kid that I was in the investment world, you know, I, I knew that you need to have a stop loss on the stock just to protect you from, you know, downward momentum. And I put it at 15%. Now, the first thing he, he told me, Seth, when he gave me this stock, by the way, I know this you're like, where's the infinite banking store? I'm going to piece it together, but I'm going to bring this together. <laughs> Is the first piece of advice he gave me when he, he handed over, you know, his portfolio to me said, whatever we do, we don't want to sell Bank of America. My dad, this was his life, you know, money. And he had acquired this over time. And he said, never sell it. You get dividends on it every single year. It is steady, eddy as it can be. Never get rid of it, right? And I'm like, okay, perfect. So I, you know, normally I would have probably put a stop loss at say 10%. I put it at 15% thinking no way. And by the way, I only put it for like 25% of the stock. And then I put a, a stop loss for the other 75% at like 25%. So at that point in time, Bank of America had pivoted up or down, maybe a point total for, you know, a long <laughs> period of time. So it was basically like saying like, you're going to win the lottery before this thing happens. Well, so when uh, everything come crashing down at, in 2007, 2008, that, that stock triggered. And then like two days later, triggered the other 75%. <laughs> and I'm telling you, my father-in-law was pissed at me. Like he was like, you're an idiot. You know, like, why did we do this? Like this thing's going to bounce right back, you know, like everybody did. Right. Because nobody knew what we were going through. And I can't even, I can't do anything with it now for 30 days and blah, blah, blah. You know, it was just. I, I wasn't liked around the house for a little bit. Now, shortly thereafter, obviously it, it fell. It started at 50. I think it ended somewhere around two or $3. And so I, I was, I, I quickly became, you know, uh, back in good graces after him seeing what all happened. But the point to infinite banking where the connection is, is that when that happened kind of end of 2007 through the beginning of 2008, he was sitting in cash and he and me both were way too fearful of what to do with that cash. And, and so he'd just been sitting on it. 
And, and I read this book and Nelson Nash's book, January, 2009. And he's talking about the fact that banks make money. This is obvious to everybody, but we don't consider it this way. Banks make money by taking your deposit, Seth, and turning around and lending it to Joey, right? They give you pennies on your dollars as a, uh, a penance for borrowing your money, and they charge Joey dollars for it, right? And they make the money off the, off the middle, and they do a really good job in that. Well, here I am reading this, and I'm like, wait a second. All this cash, this $750,000 that Megan is borrowing to start her dental practice is really her dad, Toby's money. And, and yet here we are paying 8%. We're signing on the dollar line for like 7.95% to Bank of America for this practice loan. And they're paying him like 0.01. And I'm thinking, this is, this is right before my eyes. And so I, I, I gave him a copy of the book. I said, here's what we need to do. And this is what infinite banking is. Let's take your deposits and put it on deposit at the insurance company. Now, we're not going to go buy tons and tons of insurance. We're going to buy the minimum amount of insurance that the government will allow us and allow it to be insurance. Because as an attorney, you know, there's so many protections to, that are afforded to insurance companies and insurance policies. They, they're, they're, they're not subject to creditors. And one of those creditors is the IRS, right? The IRS can't come and tax the growth on those dollars, right? And so that's amazing. These dollars are growing at a guaranteed rate set forth in the contract by these companies that are hundreds of years old. And I'm reading through all of this. I'm like, this is genius. We're going to take money and take it out of 0.1% and put it at two, three, four, 5% returns, and then have the ability to turn around and lend it to my wife. She needed the money anyway. And who would she rather be paying? Bank of America or her dad's bank? And so that's really what we did. We just lent the money that was in her insurance contract to her. Her, her business started paying in the neighborhood of about $8,000 a month back to him for the next 10 to 12 years before she sold her practice. It was the best passive income that he's ever had, right? Like he, he didn't have to do anything. He just got a check every month. Um, when she sold her practice, he was like, what else do you guys want to do? You know, like he, you know, he's excited. Like, what else can we do with the money? But it, that's what infinite banking is, is really putting our money on deposit and specifically design whole life insurance contracts, not designed for death benefit. So designed for high cash value, minimizing the death benefit as far as we can. But then looking to where could we put those dollars in motion at, right? Because we're doing real estate deals, we're doing business deals, we're doing lending deals. We have all these dollars. The problem is, is that, that those dollars typically run through our checking accounts, which don't give us really any benefit other than liquidity. And if we look back and we, over time and we see how much money has passed through our hands over, you know, tens of years, is tons of dollars we've given up. Not to mention, we're probably buying insurance to protect our family from this or that. We're trying to protect a, you know, a key employee in our business or whatever it may be. And we don't realize that we've got dollars doing single jobs instead of multiple jobs. And so that's what infinite banking is, is when set up correctly. And this is what, you know, our, our firm became, you know, probably known as is one of the top in the nation of doing for a long time is just setting up these contracts in a way that allowed investors to be able to do two or three deals for every you know, one deal they were doing in the past. Yeah. I mean, most people don't even have their money working for them in one place, but when you add on that layer of infinite banking, it, it works in at least, at least two places. So exactly. it, it's an incredible tool. It's an incredible tool. 
Um, what, what are some of the assets that you guys invest in? So you're typically going to put your access cash into an infinite banking policy and then borrow against that and invest that into what? what? What are you guys looking at? What are you guys investing in nowadays? Well, we so we have been on a journey, um, as Russ mentioned, over the last four or five years with our own podcast, interviewing experts in different fields that were passive. And we said, and some of them we found out weren't so passive. Some of them were very passive. And as Russ and I mentioned, we, we have a full-time business that we run. So everything that we had to kind of put in our buy box was, if it's not super passive, how do we make it passive? And, and so we started implementing this over the last two years, personally leading from the front and saying, okay, we've interviewed all the gurus. Now we're actually doing it. And we started reporting on it every single month. So now you're not just getting a bunch of fluff. You're getting every, exactly what our experience has been in each one of these things. And, you know, some of them are winners, some of them are duds. And, uh, and we share all that with you. But um, I'll, I'll kind of share with you the, a couple of things. One, we went down the path of building a short-term rental business. So in light of the real estate world, we realized like there's, in some cases, people are buying right now, but we felt like the better strategy was to lease properties, go in, lease them, and then, um, of course, communicate with those owners or property managers that we're going to also be putting these on a short-term rental basis on platforms like Airbnb, Booking.com, VRBO, and, so, and such, and make the difference between what we pay in a lease payment every month and the short-term rentals that we we're able to collect. And uh, that business has grown over the last uh, 16 months from one unit uh, and about $2,000 worth of, you know, net revenue or whatever profit to um, now we're up to like 24 units and we're somewhere around 20 to $25,000 a month net um, passive income from that particular business. Uh, the second thing I was going to mention, we also invest in land, doing land flipping. And uh, we have a full team of people that identify property at 25 cents on the dollar, uh, obtain that property, turn around and sell it for a three to four time multiple on payments. So they create notes with these to, to the end buyer. And so that business has also grown over the last 14 to 16 months. Um, we're up over 14,000 a month in passive income net of our expenses. And again, both of those are very hands-off. We, we check in on them um, usually once a week or so. And, um, and, but other than that, the, the whole teams are actually providing all the, the benefit to us. The other thing I would throw in there, I mean, so we, we look at you know traditional real estate. So we do have a little bit of multifamily, a little single family stuff right now. Um, but we've also kind of got into some of these alternative strategies where uh, we're looking at buying e-commerce stuff. So we've got a couple of small e-commerce brands out there that we're involved in. Uh, one of the things that people love to talk about right now, because it's hot, um, I would say this is probably the only thing that we've ever gotten into where we got into it before everybody else did, um, is in the crypto space. So we actually probably four, four and a half years ago, bought um, a bunch of computers that were mining Ethereum. And, and so that business over the last several years has continued to grow. And we've got, I don't know, 25, 30 computers now uh, combined that is mining uh, Ethereum. 
and, and has become obviously now as the a price of Ethereum has continued to grow, you know, in some months we're making, you know, as much as seven, eight hundred dollars a computer uh, in that space. And that's definitely passive because we've got a whole, you know, we do get asked, do you guys have those rigs at your house or something? <laughs> like, no, those things produce way too much heat. You know, we uh, all of our stuff is up in South Dakota is actually in the in the former gateway uh, computer building. Um, it's a big, huge data center up there. And we've got a team of people who manage all of that. And uh, that, that's one of the funner things right now, which is great because we're turning dollars into a different currency that we think is going to be worth a lot more. And it, it's been a, a beautiful thing for us as well. That's awesome. I, I love the diversification there. I mean, you've got the real estate and then the diversification within that genre. And then you've got crypto, you've got all these different things going on. That, that's, that's awesome. That's the way to do it, guys. Well, let, let me make a point about that, though, that I think we actually learned and then subsequently have kind of provided to the folks that are working with us in our process is that so many people get focused in on the investment and they really they forget that themselves, like who they are as an investor, their actual investor DNA is what we call it, is way more important than the end investment. And let me explain what I mean by that. When you understand who you are, not only what you're trying to accomplish with it, like getting clear on your vision of financial freedom, but who you are, like who God has made you to be in terms of your skill set, your desires, the things you're, you're really good at, the things you suck at, all those things have to be considered in because uh, it doesn't matter what the returns are on a, a particular investment. If you're not really well aligned with that end investment, it doesn't matter. It's not going to be successful. Um, an example would be I bought a drop shipping label company a few years back, and I thought this was brilliant. Oh, this is so easy. You know, you can hire a VA, they can run the whole back end. And what I found was is that there's a lot more time that goes into this particular genre. And it also has a lot, you have to, it puts the onus on you from a marketing standpoint. And as I realized that I was too far into it and man, this, this is not a good fit for me. You know, I, I can't really affect this the way that I am uniquely gifted to do. And so that business has not done well. I, I have lost money on that significantly to the point where Russ you know, told me, hey, don't come on our passive income report talking about 100unicorns.com <laughs> ever again. Um, you need to shut that junk down. Uh, but the, my, my point was, is I got really misaligned with who I am as an investor, what my um, strengths and my available resources would allow. And so, man, it doesn't matter how good some people have success with it. And so anyways, we have an assessment that you take that helps you to figure that out so that you don't waste time and money and effort in the wrong direction. Now, does that assessment kind of point you into the right direction as far as like what types of businesses you might want to look at or what's kind of the end result of that? Yeah, I think the, the point of it is for those who don't already have direction, right? Some people already know like their, their jam is real estate and maybe that specific genre of real estate is in multifamily, maybe it's RV parks, whatever, right? They already know what they're doing and they're looking for ways to just enhance or speed up their way to financial freedom. And so our coaches walk through that with them. 
But then there's another group that's like, man, I love what you guys are talking about. I want financial freedom. I'm so busy in my career. I don't know where to look for opportunities, right? We, they haven't trained their brain yet to even do that. And the biggest mistake people make, as Joey was kind of starting to allude to, is that they just go look at, oh, look, this short-term rental business over here you guys are publishing produced 28000 last month. I must do that. That must be the thing. Just very similar to probably the way they picked their mutual funds in their 401k, right? They just look at whatever had the highest return last year. Yeah, I'll do that one, right? Which we all know is a bad idea, but that's the way people do it. And so what we call it is our investor DNA, this assessment. One, it, it tells them who they are. I mean, many of us have done DISC, Myers-Briggs, what it, Culture Index, you name it, right? We've done assessments to understand a little bit about us, but we've never thought about it in light of an investment. How will we see investments? So Joey and I have created a passive income matrix. It's not all encompassing, to be honest. It, it, it's just six of the most basic things that we do and others are doing around us. And we said, okay, how would your profile, once you get your profile, then you can go to that matrix and say, how does my profile look at these six pros, cons, um, key factors that need to be involved? And what it does, it just starts checking off the ones that are like, oh, no, I wouldn't like that. I wouldn't like that. And it helps eliminate the person getting involved and spending money and time and effort towards something that it, once they get going, they're going to realize, oh, I am a horrible fit for this. Now, you know, there may be a way to do it with a partner or have an operator or something like that. But for the most part, it is the way that helps people at least eliminate. It does, again, our job isn't to pick investments. We're not investment advisors. We don't give investment advice. But we're trying to just speed people's time, you know, condense time, compress time as much as we can to get them to financial freedom as fast as possible. Yeah, I love that because a lot of people don't know where to get started. I mean, mo most folks, they just know, you know, their active income, their career, um, how to do their job. And then they know to invest in their 401k or stocks, bonds or mutual funds. That's all they know. So they're like, well, what do yeah. I do? So this, this gives them, you know, a, a kind of a roadmap as to how they can kind of get started if they don't already have an idea already. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And we've got, I've got so many more questions I want to ask you guys, but we're going to probably have to do that on another episode. But before we jump into the, the Freedom Four, I, I did want to ask you this question. You know, what do you guys think are, are some of the biggest lies that we're taught about personal finance, um, you know, as we're growing up? I would say the first one is that you must give up access to your money because otherwise you'll spend it, right? It comes out of a half truth, right? Which we, we know if we have money in our pocket, it, the old saying is burning a hole in your pocket, right? And so the, they, they say, well, the best thing you should do then is, you know, auto enroll yourself in your 401k and give up to the max because you'll never miss the money. Um, until you start learning about this and then you really start missing it because you realize that it doesn't allow you to have access to it. And what that means is it doesn't allow you to ever have independence to create. So I'll give this analogy. It, my, my wife, you know, when she got her gold expedition, right, it was a brand new model, brand new color. Like she thought she was special, right? She's driving around with the gold expedition. Like, look at me. I got my new stuff. And then all of a sudden, what do you think she started seeing all over the road, Seth? <laughs> Same thing. Other gold <laughs> expeditions all over the yeah. place. She realized her stuff wasn't that special. <laughs> uh, but the, the deal is, is that is that was a little function in her brain, this reticular activating system that was 
now aware because that that car was now important to her it wasn't important before she got it because she didn't even know about it but once she got it then she started seeing it and that's the thing that people are missing when it comes to opportunities is that if you're never telling your brain that financial freedom is important cash flow is important passive income is important then your brain just filters that out so all these opportunities that come all around us we just miss them you know, Robert Kiyosaki talking about the little purple Bible, right? I mean, he talks about million dollar opportunities are all around us and we miss them because we don't even know. We're not even seeing. So that's the biggest thing that people are told is that they should give up access to the money, which then unfortunately becomes the biggest fail in their life is because they're not teaching their brain what opportunities look like because they don't have any cash. They don't have any money. Yeah. The, the other thing that I would add to that is is once you understand, we've mentioned it several times today, and I'm sure you talk about it all the time on your show, but once you understand that financial freedom is a very simple formula, right? Passive income must be greater than monthly expenses. That is true financial freedom. Once you get clear on that, it no longer has this requirement of an age that you have to get to, to in order to quote unquote retire right? Retirement is a lie, in my opinion, that we've been taught and we've been groomed over our entire childhood and growing up. I mean, most people, some people are fortunate not to have that same upbringing, but most of us have. And it's this idea that, man, you just have to power through, keep your head down and put money away into a strategy you don't really understand. And someone else has to manage your money for you so that hopefully you can live off of much less than you did into your golden years. I don't know how they end up being golden if you're like on, you know, eating dog food and everything. But the, the point is, if you get clear on the, the financial freedom formula, the time frame to get there can be today, right? Like that is the eye opener. That is the man, if I took control and I got my cash flows coming towards me instead of going to somebody else, man, this is how I can buy my time back. This is how I get to enjoy my time with my family before they're, you know, having my grandkids, you know, that's, that's anyway, that to me. And so you start thinking about things like paying a 15 year mortgage. We would never do that. You would never do that in the sense, if you know, you want to have financial freedom today, um, putting money in 401ks and IRAs, you would never do those things if you knew that you could have financial freedom today. So that kind of directs so many of the decisions that we already have been taught to make. Yeah. It's just, it's a big mindset shift. You know, everybody just has it in their mind. I've, I've got to work till I'm 60 years old. So it, therefore I have to put this money in this 401k and it's okay that I can't get it until I'm 60 years old because that's when I'm going to retire anyways. Exactly. And on top of that, a lot of people already have a, a nice nest egg saved up. And they don't realize how close or they don't realize that they could retire today if they wanted to. They invested it the right way in, in different types of and created passive income for themselves. They could retire today. They, they don't even realize that. They just think that I need millions and millions and millions of dollars saved up. And, and I'm just going to work. And even if I do, I'm still going to work till I'm 60 anyways. Exactly. No, no doubt. All right, let's jump into the Freedom Four. It's time for the Freedom Four. What's the best thing you guys do to keep your minds and bodies healthy? I'll jump in there uh, from a body perspective. Uh, we, we use these whoop bands. You familiar with the whoop band? 
No, not W H O O P. Um, it's just it measures a couple of things, but one of the things it measures is something called heart rate variability (HRV), and that's your really ability to perform. And there's a lot of factors that go into uh, keeping your HRV high. Obviously, sleep, nutrition, exercise. Um, there's probably um, several. We, there's eight that we kind of follow to keep it um, monitored and, and to try to perform at the highest level. So that's one of the things that we, we've been using to perform at a much higher level and be more focused on our health because of it. That's cool. I'll have to look into those. Joey, you got anything? Uh, well, I've been on the same path with Russ. Uh, we hired oh, cool. a, a fitness coach and health coach to help us walk through that process. And uh, I'm definitely not implementing it as well as Russ, but uh, I, I definitely know what to do. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> nice. With all your success, what is one limiting belief you've crushed along the way and how did you get past it? And I should have studied ahead of time on this. Um, I think one of the things that I, I, you know, I grew up, my parents actually work in the ministry, uh, the Salvation Army, actually. So we grew up with very little money, um, always helping the destitute around us. And, um, and I just think that money is not the root of all evil. I think there's a lot of bad just theology around money in general. And so a limiting thought for me has always been that, you know, having a lot of money is a bad thing, um, but that it's seeing it as a means to becoming who God ever intended you to be and getting out of a financial prison, which most people live in day in and day out, man, now that you're free, who can you become and how, how much more can you you know, reflect God into this world that we're meant to impact. And so uh, I feel like that's definitely something that has impacted me. For, for me, I would say comes out of a, Joey was the valedictorian of his school. Whatever the opposite of that is, is where I came, <laughs> you know, so uh, the, the mindset that you had to graduate from Vanderbilt or Duke or Stanford or whatever to, to be financially savvy. Like you'd have to, you know, hand that money over to somebody who, who clearly understands wealth and other things much better than you. I, I didn't know what the color of money was, right? Like that we didn't have it around our house either. Um, to say that, no, you, you can learn. All of these things are taught on podcasts like yours, YouTube videos, and, and just experience from others who have it. So limiting belief is knowing that uh, financial IQ or IQ in general is not the things going to pre uh, prevent you from being financially free. Yeah, agreed. Agreed a thousand percent. This is coming from a person that went to school for 11 years, 11 years of college, med school, MBA, law school. And now I'm like, you know, when I have kids, I don't, they can make their own decision whether or not they want to go to college because they can, they can figure out a way without getting that, that traditional education. Yeah, I'm actually, you know, my, my wife bought this book from Connor Boyack. I don't know if you know him, but um, he, he's a pretty <laughs> interesting go. guy, uh, but it's, it's called Skip, Skip College, Launch Your Career Without Debt, Distractions, or a Degree, and it's something I'm going to be reading with my two oldest who are 14 and 16. Nice, nice. Love it. On point there. What's one actionable step our listeners can do right now to start creating more freedom? I, I would just say this, I would find out what sort of investor you are. 
the, we've already mentioned it, but I think that that is one of those critical things that as you're building a plan out, it's a, one of those components that if you don't know it, it could drastically affect the direction that you take. And if you do know it, it could drastically affect the destination that you're headed towards. So, um, you know, hit us up on that. You can actually go to our community. In fact, I'd love for people to join our community if they're interested and you go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash passport. There's actually uh, a free course that we actually give people when they first join. And the next step in that is you can purchase the investor DNA assessment um, if you'd like. So we'd love to have you join us and, and subsequently learn that. Well, I would say that in, you know, he was saying the investor DNA, which is kind of part two, I would say the part one is that passport. So if you go to that link, because it, the one thing that I find most often in my past of talking to people one-on-one is they really don't have true clarity of what, what financial freedom would even look like. Cause it's so far of a, a thought from where they stand because they're so busy and they're such in the thick of thing. There's so much noise around them that the concept of what it would take to even start working toward that path is so fuzzy that they've not even given themselves the liberty to think through and be clear on what that goal would look like. What, you know, what sort of investor do they need to be? What, what do they need to do? What would they have if they were there? Um, and that was the first step we put in place in this kind of three-step GPS process. The first step was having a goal and that passport is really the course that allows people to get that. Perfect. Yeah. We'll be sure to put that in the, the show notes. Last but not least, how has passive income made your life better? For me, I would say it's just giving me freedom to, to create. I mean, I, I love finding new ideas, finding new ways to get involved in our business and other businesses. And it just has taken the burden of thinking about the, the main business that I work in and thinking of it more from that perspective of I've got to do this. Otherwise, I'm not going to get to enjoy all the things we already have. I get to now show up and just be super free and not worry about, you know, what happens one month over the next. And I get to like come up with new ideas, most of which Joey shoots down anyway, but still <laughs> I love to create them. <laughs> I would, I would say that for me, uh, I have five little girls and to me, the most important thing that I can do. And I've been, I've been driven by this for my whole time as a father is to be present and to be the man that they say, man, I would love to marry a guy like him, like to be the model that I end up with a bunch of son-in-laws that are studs. Cause if I have a bunch of duds, son-in-laws, I'm gonna be pissed. However, what financial freedom has really done is it came to fruition even just um, a few months back. I, I had an opportunity to go and speak in a couple places um, on, the, on the West Coast. And Russ and I typically would fly and, you know, do that sort of thing. But um, this time I was like, you know what, what would it look like if we just took a family RV trip? out West and just did those things as we went. And it, what, what kind of transpired was 22 days on the road with me and my wife and five daughters in an RV, by the way, I don't know that I would go from never having RV to 22 days in a row. Like that was, a, that was a big jump. It was pretty extreme. Uh, but the, 
the memories and the impact and like the investment in my family that that was, was first of all, never possible when I was working in the corporate world. There was, I would have never taken three weeks off to do that. And now the fact of never having missed a beat, the business continued to grow without me being present. And in some cases, Russ said, Hey, why did you come back? Um, I don't know, but the, just the memories that I was able to make with these girls, I know will pay ridiculous dividends in the future. And, uh, it's all possible because of passive income. Yeah. Yeah. Guys, this has been incredible. Um, can't wait to have you back. Uh, where can our listeners find out more about you? And I, I would say, um, you know, obviously check out our podcast, Wealth Without Wall Street. And But I'd love to, as you said before, just go to that link, wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash passport. We built an online community that is off social media. So it wasn't built on Facebook intentionally. Uh, we didn't need you to get caught up in cat memes and political rhetoric. So it's a group of about 5,000 people right now and growing, you know, five to 10 people a day focused on becoming financially free and looking to support each other and, and find ways to, to get there faster. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Thanks again, guys. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Our pleasure, man. Man, Russ Morgan, Joey Murray, man, they're fantastic, right? So easy to talk to such great guys. And even though they try to hide it, super intelligent and deep thinkers as well. Love those guys and can't wait to see how we can collaborate in the future. Major key, don't trust the big Wall Street lies. And that includes your financial advisor. Get financially educated and make decisions for yourself. I mean, think about it. Most of the time, we're control freaks. But for some reason, when it comes down to something as important as your family's financial future, retirement, and really just the ability to enjoy life, you hand the reins over to somebody else. Well, no more. Take control. And if you're ready to take control, partner with us on one of our next passive real estate deals. Go to PassiveIncomeAttorney.com and join the Esquire Passive Investor Club. All right, kids, enjoy the journey. Thank you for listening to the Passive Income Attorney Podcast with Seth Bradley. Do you want more ideas on how to generate multiple streams of passive income? Then jump over to PassiveIncomeAttorney.com for show notes and resources. Then apply for the private Facebook community by searching for the Passive Income Attorney on Facebook. And we'll see you on the next episode.